Joining us now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, uh, not being an election judge today, I guess, is our good friend Al Bet. Hey, Al. Yeah, it's a d- different feeling. I, I wish I could just get out there and vote all day long. Uh, <laughs> keep me occupied that way. I Somebody asked me this morning, I got an email, said, do you miss being uh, election the head clerk, uh, I forget how they put the, the words. It wasn't election judge, but it was head cluck, maybe they said. I'm not sure what it was, but <laughs> a, a little bit, but not as much, I guess, as I thought I would. Probably with the COVID and everything, that kind of uh, dulls the need to be uh, sitting somewhere all day around people. Uh, I would think that probably probably did it but uh, boy thanks uh, everybody get out there and vote and we appreciate you and like i said i wish i could just vote all day long i, <laughs> I sure would one way or another uh we went all male here so uh i think a good share of the people uh uh took it down to the courthouse and put it in the drop box there so it's uh we get uh, we should all be proud around here for the percentage of people that vote it's extremely high and uh, i appreciate all that and boy what did you say 75 today it's going to get 770 right? it's at 70, 70 so but that's still pretty darn nice in fact the the next few days are going to be just awesome they're going to be 70 today 68 tomorrow 68 thursday and 70 again on friday and the weekend about Uh 72 70 as well so yeah it feels like i've got some time now to finish up my fall gardening chores which i was sort of sad because it just ended all of a sudden with the snow i'm gonna wish for 75 today because you know you gotta (laughs) wish for a little extra there so it'll be interesting because you know the cold weather ended the reign of terror of the minute pirate bugs those little things disguised as nothing that bites us they're attracted to people wearing light colored clothing and they they bite with an impact that far surpasses their weight class so i'm It'll be interesting to see if some of them uh, will come out again. I, I hope not. It's uh, they're just ah, they're disturbing little guys. <laughs> and I know it's nothing personal against us, but they just uh, oh, they like to bite us. I watched a Harry Woodpecker this morning uh, visiting the suet, and it's hammering away. They bend their tail around one end, so it looks like they're just uh, melded right into this uh, suet feeder. And I said to myself, give them hell, Harry. Uh, Harry being H-A-I-R-Y. And give them hell, Harry was a play and film based on Harry Truman. And I thought it was quite entertaining. So. And I thought, how much wood could a woodpecker peck if a woodpecker could <laughs> peck wood? Uh, I've been hearing from homeowners with seizure shakes who are learning that answer to the question the hard way. Uh, male house finches, a lot of them here, they're giving the yard feeders a, a rosy outlook, which, boy, we all love to see that. It's a lovely singer. The house finch was once sold in the illegal pet trade as a Hollywood finch. Uh, starlings, oh man, I got a lot of them here. They moved into the yard like Cousin Eddie's family in the National Lampoon's Vacation Film Series. They're numerous, quarrelsome, ravenous, but yet they're beautiful. They really are beautiful birds. I, I stopped and I watched uh, three of them fighting in a window feeder, and uh, I wasn't taken with their anger 
displayed against one another. I just I was looking at all those little stars all over their body, and hence their name. I have a single white crown sparrow here with its uh, racing stripes on its noggin. It is a young one, so it's not uh, so white on top. And a lot of fox sparrows, I think a brer fox sparrow, and that again caused me to say the quick brown fox sparrow jumps over the lazy dog, and that's a real pangram. Uh, it's a sentence that contains all the letters of the alphabet, one of the things I remember from, oh, I don't know, probably junior high English. It's nice to be able to remember things from there. I had great teachers. So, And with the color of its plumage, this fox sparrow, even when it's doing what it's always done, it looks a little rusty. Uh, the wind, boy, we've had some wind that made the beautiful leaves dance in the air. John Critchley Prince wrote, Ruffling the colors of the forest leaves, the winds make music as they come and go. It's, uh, I saw a uh, tree that had been gnawed on by a beaver, and I'm having all these words just run through my head, and I think of and Jerry Mathers as a beaver <laughs> running through my mind. And I marveled at the beauty of trumpeter swans. There were seven of them, and they can take the cold, and they'll winter where there's open water. In winter, they feed upon grasses, grains, roots, uh, tubers, and they get much of their food by dabbling. So they tip up, and then they feed on whatever submerged vegetation within reach of their long necks. Uh, a nice text from somebody saying, uh, you go to Texas most years, and will you miss going this year, or are you going? Yeah, I wonder how many snowbirds, what percent are going. You know, we have so many in this area, good Minnesotans, but they've just put in their time and they said, you know, I've had enough of winter, <laughs> we're going to go south. So they go to Texas, Arizona, Florida primarily from here, uh, some to Alabama and other places, California. I wonder what percent of those will say, you know, we're not going to go anywhere because part of the thing is going down in Texas, they meet up with friends, they go out to eat together, they uh, do all these games, a lot of games in the uh, senior parks down there. So I'm wondering how many of them will go, or I'll miss going there. I go there for speaking, and then I bird, and I oh, I love saying chachalaka and kiskety, <laughs> a couple of fairly common birds. And I oh, I recall the sight of such incredible birds as green jays that everybody sees when they go down there, whether they want to or not. But I also saw blue mockingbird, red-crowned parrots, green kingfishers, Altamira orioles, oh, at least grebes, northern beardless tarantulates whose name is bigger than the bird, um, a greater peewee, uh, many others in the lower Rio Grande Valley. So I will miss that. In the yard here, the mushrooms have gone with a cold, so my uh, it's leaving my yard a spore loser. But uh, Halloween brought thoughts of owls, because, boy, yeah, owls are one of the things at Halloween. And maybe it's because the young owls leave their parents and move to new territories in the fall. So now we've got all these inexperienced birds out there in the new world, and these birds, are they've got glowing eyes, quiet wings, and eerie voices, because a fall night can provide wonderful acoustics. And it makes them seem otherworldly when their juvenile dispersal causes them to show up in odd places. 
probably not the wrong places because they don't know what's wrong places, but they just show up in places where we're not expecting to see them, and we go, yikes. Uh, Sylvia Ziebenbergen of Hollandale, she said, we've been enjoying a red-bellied woodpecker. He challenged a blue jay on a post this morning and was chased away. They must have been watching political ads. Uh, Brian Smith said, I found three white-winged scoters and three female juvenile black scoters on Sleepy Eye Lake. Uh, I was in the company of Mike Etkin, John Schladweiler, and found, but couldn't, couldn't, I found, oh, I'm reading you wrong here, Brian, I'm sorry. I found the white-winged scoters but couldn't confirm any black scoters. Uh, they're in the southeast corner of the lake. Uh, Millie Wesson of Hayward, trumpeter swans, and so many pine siskins. Yeah, our yard, they were just, we were going through finch feed here in the, around the bat cave, and it was just, you could hear it sucking down just as they're eating it. And now today I look outside, and there's hardly any pine siskins. I see a couple out there, but the rest have moved to uh, greener pastures. Uh, TJ. Tom Jessen of Medelia said, Hi, Al, I saw a ruby-crowned kinglet along the Watanwan River near Medelia. Birdie got to within a few feet of me, pecking away at tiny invisible treats in the rocks. We walked along until a blue jay across the river saw me and gave out an alarm call. Uh, Birdie flew off into the trees, but within 30 seconds he was back at my feet and said, Stupid blue jays don't know anything. And we continued on walking together along the gravel bank. Um, thanks, TJ. He sent some photos of this little bird down on the ground feeding on, who knows what it was feeding on down there. They can find things that we can only dream of being there. Speaking of TJ, you know, he's our herpetologist expert. I was working out at the lake house this weekend and I was cleaning out some oh some lilies that had kind of fallen over and I was putting them in piles to to compost them and when Jeff came by later to pick them up and and put them in the compost pile because I just piled them up there was a salamander and he was about oh maybe eight inches long he was kind of a, a really deep blue black color with yellow spots on it and I've never seen one before and so he was kind of uh, he looked really cold and kind of curled up a little bit and Jeff said, look at this thing. What is it? And I said, I guess it's a salamander. So, I mean, I'd like to ask TJ, if he's listening, what kind of a salamander might I have encountered? Do you have any idea, Al? Oh, you know, probably tiger salamander. I know there's uh, there's others, but that would be my guess. Well, but and TJ, I was TJ kind of, is the guy. Yeah, I was kind of worried about it because then I was like, well, what, what do I do with it? It was... In, under in, in the area where it was kind of damp and so I put him under kind of the log to put him back gently and uh, came back later and he had must have hidden because I couldn't see any anymore so I'm hoping he's okay but you rarely see those out in the open I, I guess. Yeah, and I remember, uh, you know, I've gone to a seminar and pretty much everything that they can have a <laughs> seminar on sure. and there were... Uh, I want to say the DNR thing said there were seven, I might be wrong on that, I seven think I, yeah. species of salamanders in Minnesota. So there's a, a bunch of them, and I just, uh, you know, how we are, we think, well, they're tigers. Everything's a tiger, but they're not. So uh, it's they're really cool. What I think it's eastern tiger salamander is probably the, the appropriate name for the tiger salamander, which I, I see... Uh, 
the most of probably. Now this was it's at a the large was, one. Yeah, this was at the top of the the hill though. I mean, the lake was you know way down the the hill. Do they crawl that far? I figured they'd be want to be closer to the lake, but he was pretty much the top, oh, closer to the house. So that surprised me. Yeah, I I have no idea. I wish I knew more about salamanders, and I'm going to make a TJ a, a true <laughs> effort on learning more about them. Okay, I I will say one of the reasons why I probably don't is I don't see many of them anymore. Yeah, I hadn't either. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we'd see them crossing. There's a church lake. Uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere by Conger, Minnesota. There's a couple little uh, ponds and lakes out there. And when you drive down this road, they'd be crossing the roads in great, great numbers. And I, I don't see that anymore. Uh, a spotted salamander and tiger salamander, and there was a, a lot of different ones. So. Hey, TJ just sent me a link uh, to to the eastern tiger salamander. It says six to eight inches. Eastern tiger salamanders are dark colored with yellow spots all over the body. Young tiger salamanders may lack spots completely, and some adults may have spots so broad they appear to be yellow with the dark lines. The belly is yellowish in color with a darker marbled pattern. It says tiger salamanders breed in fishless wetlands. Well, there's, yep. I think there's fish in the lake, but I don't know. Anyway, but spend much more season in upland habitats. Adults overwinter yep. in the uplands and burrow below the frost line. Well, there I go. There's my answer. Thanks, TJ, for, for uh, sending me that link. Thanks, TJ. They're um, they're beautiful um, animals. Yeah, they really, it's really are. cool. Um, they have that kind of you um, <laughs> response from some people. I I had my uh, garden gloves on, so I was okay with picking them up gently. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, Otherwise, I, I wouldn't think have... they're they're beautiful creatures. Uh, Brenda Katasik of Saint Peter has a uh, sent a photo of a Harris's sparrow, and Bruce. Bruce of Waldorf called on Friday. Now, I I am hardly ever gone, uh, but I was gone all day for something on Friday. And, of course, then everybody calls. Uh, it's just how it works. And uh, Bruce called, and he was the one that took a uh, injured barred owl up to the Raptor Center. And it was releasable. So they, on Friday near J.R.'s barn, I know right where that is, near Waldorf, they released this owl, and Bruce called and asked if I would like to be there for the release, and oh, man, I would have loved to have been there, but I I was unavailable, And, and so thank you, Bruce. I hope it all went just swimmingly well, and there's a happy owl, and I have seen these releases before, and they Oh, uh, they give you a feeling inside of hope and wonder, and it's just a a great thing. So thank you, Bruce, for the offer. I'm sorry I couldn't be there, and uh, thank you for making this all possible. Uh, Bob Williams saw a eastern meadowlark in Nicollet County. Uh, Mark Tacky saw a Baltimore Oriole in Brown County. Chad Hines in Blue Earth County saw a white-winged crossbill and a Pacific loon, and John Schlodweiler, a good guy, uh, retired from the DNR, 
It's Thompson uh, Wildlife Management Area. That's in Brown County. Saw a palm warbler. So uh, all neat birds to see. Well, every bird is neat. I think everybody gets tired of uh, friends just don't want to bring up birds because I tell them how neat every bird I've ever seen, and they'll say something bad about a house sparrow. And, of course, I come immediately to their defense. I say, well, this, you know, that's a beautiful bird. Um, I, a listener did ask about a house sparrow, said, uh, Al, you said on a show a while back that house sparrow populations are declining in London. Why? Uh, yeah, London's house sparrows have plummeted by 71% since 1995. Uh, Gail and I were in England. We were in Kent, uh, West Malling, and it was. We learned to shop for groceries every day because we had no where to stash them. And apparently, that's what pretty much everybody does over there. You go and you get these tiny little shopping carts that you might find at uh, Quick Trip or Trader Joe's or someplace like that. And we're wandering around with these small shopping carts, and um, there were not as many house sparrows as I typically see here around the supermarket. They seem to like going up to the supermarket. Some have learned to flutter in front of those uh, photo eyes and find entry into supermarkets or Home Depot or uh, Menards or Fleet Farm or some of these places. And People, uh, some birders we met there, they were wearing hats with house sparrows on them. They had sweatshirts with house sparrows on them. They were selling mugs with house sparrows. I didn't get one because, boy, flying, I would have found a way to break it somehow on the plane. And why is their numbers? They were telling me that their numbers were going down so much. Uh, they have, as I said, 71% since 1995. And that's what new research has suggested avian malaria could be the cause. And that's similar to human malaria. It's spread by mosquitoes, which transfer the parasite to healthy birds. And the parasite reproduces in red blood cells and other tissues. And in severe cases, it can be fatal. I, I need to add that avian malaria is not any danger to humans. So it's just... Uh, birds and over there primarily it's uh, house sparrows and they uh, many of them told me oh we miss that little cheerful chirp in our gardens in the morning so it's it's a beloved bird there uh, it's just a different uh, you know that's their native land it's just a different uh, different landscape for the birds to be in different kinds of birds that they live with so it's it's a it's a cool little bird, and uh, they're here for the most part because we brought them here. We brought them here to fight canker worm, released them in New York City, and they quickly discovered that the little house sparrows were not so interested in the canker worm as they were what they could find in horse exhaust, which there was a lot of it at that time. So they would like the grain and thing from the horse exhaust, and they really blossomed when there were a lot of horses and livestock around. and So you still will find a lot of them in a lot of farms. Uh, I do Christmas bird counts, and I always feel I better get some uh, an 
appropriate number of house sparrows on there. So I pull into a couple friends' places at farm that have livestock, and I can get all the numbers of house sparrows I want there because I don't always see them elsewhere uh, so much in the winter. Uh, if I can get near bird feeders, I usually find them. Uh, got a text from somebody said, Al, what is the oldest banded bird? Huh, good question. It's, her name is Wisdom. What a cool name. I don't know any... I know a guy with his last name is Wisdom, but not his first name. That'd be silly anyway, wouldn't it? Wisdom, Wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is a female Asian albatross, and it's the oldest known banded bird in the wild. She nests in the world's largest albatross colony, which is located on the Midway Atoll National Wildlife Refuge. She's at least 70 years old, and as difficult as it is to believe, she was not discovered while she was reading a membership solicitation from ARP, A-A-R-P, because that's how you can usually tell people's age. You can look at their mail. <laughs> but uh, 70 years old, and that's at least, because when, when they discovered her, they weren't real sure how old she was. So she could be well over that. And she has been a mom many, 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 many times over. Her family reunions would just be amazing because I imagine some of them are probably long-lived just as she is. But her name is Wisdom, so what a neat thing. Al, I just got got a text from our friend Carl in Morristown. He says, speaking of bugs... Did Al see the article in the Minneapolis Sunday Science section about the wingless beetle that can withstand 79,000 times its weight, same as a 200-pound man withstanding 7.8 million pounds? Nature is amazing, and humans can learn a lot from it. Wow, I have not, Carl. I've got it here, so I will get to it uh, behind on uh, some of the newspapers. But, yeah, I, I, I'll look forward to reading that, and thanks for bringing it up. And, boy, you're right. Uh, as a kid, I always heard all those stories about how much an ant could lift. When I was a kid, there was a guy named Charlie Atlas, and he was in all the comic books, and he... Uh, he used all these where you didn't have to go to the gym, you didn't need to lift weights, you just applied uh, tension from one muscle to another, or you pushed against a wall and those kind of things. And, oh, Charlie was so strong. And then I'd read about what ants could do, and I thought, boy, that Charlie, he's kind of a piker. He's not really all that much. So, And this beetle sounds like another one. Yeah, and I love beetles. And I always tell kids if they ever want to get into entomology, there are so many beetles that there are a lot of them that do not have names. Really? So you could get, yeah, you'd have a shot getting in there and having a, a beetle named after you. And how cool would that be? That would be just, you know, you'd be, oh, I don't know, somebody would be telling you about their fine job and their corporate jet and how they're going around the world. And then you could just say, yeah, but. I have a beetle named after me, and that would pretty much shut them up when they learned it wasn't a Volkswagen beetle. That'd be that'd be really something. I um, this is a uh, question that I got a while ago, and I I didn't I should have answered it earlier, and I apologize. Why does a monarch butterfly chrysalis have gold on it? And I yeah I I look at those and it, they're like jewelry. Yeah, and I see. I see women wearing earrings that mimic those 
monarch chrysalis because they're this beautiful green with little gold around it. And I have seen them as pendants, and they just make wonderful jewelry. They're not the real thing. They're just a, a replica of it. But they're uh, what neat things. Chrysalis comes from the Greek chrysalid, which comes from chrysos, which means gold. And it refers to that metallic gold-like sheen that we see on those butterfly chrysalis. And the gold is created by coupling. There's a carotenoid pigment, and then there's other hill-like structures that reflect light from their peaks. But why? There are theories. So many things, man, in science, that are still theories. We just It's hard to know for sure. But there's theories as to the purpose of the gold. It could act as camouflage. It might mirror colors of the surroundings and break up the shape of the chrysalis. Or it might look like um, dew droplets. Or it could be a warning coloration, which uh, like a big poison sign or the uh, skull with the crossbones on it. Or it might filter particular wavelengths of light, which might be harmful to the monarchs. So maybe it's all those reasons. There could be many reasons that they have for doing this. I watched a guy throw a uh, cigarette out the window and uh, the other day he's smoking. And, you know, I guess everybody's, most of us have at least tried smoking. Some of us discovered that we weren't very good at it. It just, uh, we burned holes and things and it made us cough and turned our eyes red and things like that. Because uh, I remember as a kid watching those old movies at the drive-in movie theater. And whenever they had a detective who, uh, who a kid might want to be, or even when they had newsreels with baseball players, they were all smoking. They were just all, they all had a heater, and they, boy, they seemed to be something. So it was kind of, you know, even though your parents would say, I don't want to catch you smoking, they probably knew you were going to give it a shot because a lot of your heroes had it. But according to the Ocean Conservancy, and I'd have to add, I imagine this is from beaches, but it probably goes pretty much everywhere. The number one littered item is cigarette butts. Mm -hmm. Number two, food wrappers. Mm -hmm. Number three, plastic bottles. Number four, plastic bottle caps. And number five, plastic bags. And uh, going to Texas, I'd be driving down one of the highways there, and in front of me would be garbage trucks without any covering on the top, and the plastic bags would be flying off there, like a huge flock of plastic bags. So it was always kind of a sad joke down there when you'd stop to look at birds in a tree. You'd say it, it's right by the Walmart bag there. You'd just go <laughs> left of the Walmart bag because the bags were, they were bag birds in all the trees down there. So so I know nobody listening is, is littering at all, and you're the kind that are out picking littered items up, and I appreciate you. Uh, in the days when I led a lot of bird walks and nature tours and bus tours, everybody got a bag. And part of us, we just we'd pick things up. You know, we wouldn't, I couldn't let it get in the way of the enjoyment of the folks looking at nature and everything. But I said, you know, if you're going to step on something, just pick it up and throw it in the bag. And we found a, a proper place to put everything later. So and, and I think people, it made them feel um, that they were 
you know, paying a little bit for the enjoyment of being out in nature. And I, I thought that was important for everybody to do that. Al, here's a question for you. My husband and I would sure. like to start attracting blue jays and cardinals. Do they prefer a certain kind of seed? You know, blue jays, oh, they love peanuts. If you put out peanuts, they get on the blue jay listserv. <laughs> and they'll say the Sorensons just put out peanuts, and they will show up. And you watch them come in, they will swallow like eight peanuts, just boom, 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 Ooh. and then they'll fly away. And they'll hide them somewhere, cache them, or oh. they'll hack them up later to eat it. Should you leave Boy, them in the shell, or should you buy the unshelled or shell them for them, or what? Either way. Oh, it doesn't matter? I do. Yeah, I do both. I love seeing them fly in and grab a peanut in the shell. I don't know what there is about it. They just look so happy. And you watch them as they pick up the shells. They'll pick up a bunch of them before they decide to pick up one. And what are they doing? They're weighing them. Oh, wow. We weigh food at at the grocery store. And they're saying, this one has the most peanuts in it. It has the most meat in it. And away they'll fly with it. Uh, cardinals like uh, platform feeders. They like something that gives their feet a little bit, a bit of purchase. They also like uh, black oil sunflower seed, although they seem to like safflower too. In the shell, things. again, uh, saf- the seeds in the shell are out of the shell, or does that matter to them? They would like either one. Okay. okay. And. Uh, a lot of people like them, uh, the sunflower seeds that are not in the shell just because there's less mess under the feeder. And it's more expensive to buy it all shelled, sure. which makes sense. Well, there's the- just a lot more uh, nuts, sunflower nuts there. So uh, those two things are the ones. Uh, cardinals, uh, blue jays will show up, and they'll make a bunch of noise, and then other blue jays will show up, and they'll have... Uh, like a family reunion around your peanuts. It's amazing. <laughs> and if you put out seeds right away and they don't show up right away, you know, just wait because they're on their way. Now, and, I'm uh, thinking the squirrels are going to be coming in because they probably like the peanuts as well. They do. Uh, and I put them up on platform feeders okay. that have a um, baffle a baffle under them. Okay. And that kind of keeps the squirrels out of the way. Now, so, I saw uh, my blue first jays. blue jay this morning. I got, I don't really think I've seen one any all summer, but today for some reason there was one in the backyard and my husband he was sitting on the grill and is are they migrating or something or why was he in my backyard today and he hasn't been all year? And should I start putting peanuts out maybe he'll come back? Was uh, the blue jay sitting up? Grill or your husband was sitting <laughs> on the grill. Is that what? No. no, what we were no. in the house. The blue jay was on the grill. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I didn't know. You know, we all have weird hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They. Uh, some of them are migrating through uh, science and really know whether uh, blue jays, if they all migrate, when they migrate, why they migrate. Some years we do know that they migrate, some years, other years they do not. But some years we might be getting, you know, that might be a bird from Canada in your yard. Cool. So we don't know where all they come from, and uh, we can't tell the difference. You know, unless they're banded, they all look, we can't tell a male from a female. Well, he was was saying, eh, eh, so I'm guessing, you you know, he must be Canadian. (laughs) Hey, I got him. I bet if you. Oh, go ahead. I bet if you put out some peanuts, they would uh, they would 
be there. Uh, and I got and a you were saying I got a text from our friend John in New Ulm as well. Um, first, okay. he, he sent me a bunch of pictures now. His dad mu- knows some famous people. He's got a picture from long ago, his parents with Billy Carter. Uh, he's got oh his picture of his dad with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the country singer Lynn Anderson. But then he has a question for you, of course. He says, what plants like what plant likes Halloween? Hmm. Oh, man. I should know that one, I think, but I don't. Bamboo. Boo. Oh, bamboo. (laughs) Bad. Man. Yep. Thanks, John. And, um, yeah, I have a friend that uh, was showing me a can of Billy, well, he sent me a photo, a can of Billy Beer uh, produced by Billy Carter or some company he was affiliated with all those many, many years ago, so I'd forgotten all about it. And he, this friend has a, oh, I can't remember, it was a four-pack or a six-pack that's never been open. So he's, uh, I don't know if he's going to try to sell it on eBay and then retire or what's going on. Um, thank you all for, uh, for uh, you know, letting us be part of your day. And uh, the air is is thick with hope out there. I've uh, Like a lot of you, have become a fidgeting fugitive from the flu here. But we're all in the same Petri dish. Um, I I read The Onion every so often, and I swear <laughs> the world has become an issue of that. And I bought bananas the other day, and I sang Harry Belafonte's The Banana Boat song as I waited in the checkout line, Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me a banana. And I don't think I irritated anybody, and it made me happy. And when I got home, I found a woolly bear caterpillar in the basement. I'd never discovered one in the house before. I hoped it didn't indicate a cruel winter was on the way. I waited uh, for the end of October temperature to get above freezing before putting the woolly worm outside. It was 44 degrees and sunny when I released it in what I deemed a friendly place. And the caterpillar headed north, then it made a U-turn and headed south before making another U-turn and crawling north again. It's obvious its GPS was on the fritz. So I'm checking the basement for its return. So I'll be doing that while I'll be kind of watching for all the returns from the election. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're diving past. Thanks for listening to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. Hey, thank you, Al. We'll chat with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our good friend Al Bat. It is 1034. Another request for a song for today on this election day. And this is a version of Lee Greenwood.